Welcome to Chasing Growth Podcast, a podcast on leadership ideas, personal growth, and organizational health. Our purpose is to encourage and inspire Christian leaders to get better. When a leader gets better, everyone wins. And now, your host, Pablo Ajoa, El Padre. Hello, everyone. This week, I had a great conversation with Joe Freeman. He's a missionary in Africa. And I spent um, maybe 30, 40 minutes talking with him about his mission over there. And hopefully we'll encourage you and, and think about it and get involved in missions. If you're a Christian leader, you have to be involved in missions. So here's my conversation with Joe Freeman. All right, All right. Joe. How are you doing today? Doing good. Good to see you. Okay, so Joe is a missionary in Africa, uh, in Niger, I believe. and um, I invite him to talk to me for a little bit because I have, you know, it's intriguing to me a couple of things about missions. I'm result for you to know, I'm result of the the normal missionary, missionary, you know, going to another country, planting a church, but you're doing something a little different. Tell me, tell me about it. Yeah. So um, largely what I do, at least my primary role is more of a, a support to that traditional missionary. Uh, so we actually do have church planners and evangelists and discipleship teams that work in our country with our mission. Uh, we also have mission hospitals and other types of agriculture projects, education and things like that, um, all with the goal of reaching people for Christ. Um, so my main role as a pilot is to support these ministries, to be able to take people to and from the different places they need to go, uh, adding security, adding safety to travel, things like that. Um, also cutting down time fatigue, uh, making, trying to make our, our workers more effective and to sometimes even be a sounding board for them, uh, when they need somebody to talk to, and we're stuck in a plane with the headphones on together, um, in tight quarters. So yeah, it, it's a great opportunity. It's almost like, uh, if you've ever had any training and, or classes in counseling or psychology or, or anything like that, you get an opportunity to use those with people. Um, when you have those times. So yeah, any way we can support and help out and advance uh, the work uh, there in the country for the church and for, um, and for the mission there, that's what we do. So how many, so that's my main role. How, how many miles are you flying back and forward through the week? Uh, it depends on our destination. Sometimes, I mean, the place we spend the most, we do the most of our flying is to our mission hospital, which is about 240 miles away. That would be a pretty much a mostly a full day of travel by road, um, you know, eight, nine hours, depending on, you know, the road conditions and the traffic that day. Um, we do the flight in about an hour and 45 minutes. So when you have like doctors coming, you know, you, you take them there, you get them there, you know, you get them that morning, you take them out and they're working the same day they arrive rather than spending a whole day traveling. Some of them are only there for a week, maybe two. So trying to make use most of their time. That is actually a flight we do a lot, but it's one of our shorter flights. We do some flights that are, you know, up to four hours, sometimes five hours, depending on where we're going. So it can, yeah, it can be quite a, quite a distance. How, how this started? Okay, so I know you're a, a son of um, a missionary, a, a normal kind of missionary that we can call it, right? The typical go down there, plant a church, be type of like a pastor, right? I guess. How yeah. this started with you? Because 
flying a plane, and I'm, this is not for what I, the picture I have seen. This is not like a luxury plane. It's not like a jet. No, I mean, okay, <laughs> let me. Don't want to paint the wrong picture. We do. We do fly small airplanes for mission aviation. There are some that fly bigger airplanes. We fly like four. It, it's, it's not a plane. The the mega church pastor fly. <laughs> <laughs> However, we have flown some mega church, pa church pastors in our small planes because they would rather do that than go by road. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, our, our planes are four or six seats. They're small Cessna planes. However, uh, we put a lot of care into them and we take really good care of them. In fact, I was flying with somebody recently and just renting a, a plane here at the local airport and it got the job done. But, um, you know, compared to how well our mechanics and our team keeps up our planes and equips them, our planes feel like Cadillacs, uh, even for their small size. Well, you know, part of it is you want the people that are flying with you to understand that you take care of the planes and you want them to feel safe. Um, because, you know, part of what we're providing is peace of mind, not just when they're flying, but also knowing, hey, if I need to get out or if I have a medical emergency, these guys are there. They're there for us. They'll come get us. And we don't have to worry about the plane. Like we want that to be the last thing they're thinking about. So, yeah, we put a lot of effort into making sure that, you know, I know people look at them, they think that that is like a go-kart with wings on it, but really they are well-proven, trusted, trusted, you know, so, trusted aircraft that have a good track record. So, so um, when I was, I was little, uh, a neighbor of mine took me in a, in a fly like that mm -hmm. and I was sick the whole time because the different of like regular planes that people travel these things move yeah with, <laughs> with any wind these things move we always prefer those smooth days where, where the where it's just a calm flight but you know we get a lot of heat we're in the we're in a desert country and so in hot season when you're coming from cool smooth air up at altitude and you start descending you start feeling the heat coming off the ground and it gets really bumpy and we do have people who are very um sensitive to that so we we do the best we can for them, but yeah, that will that will get a lot of people if they're not if you're not prepared for it. So I want to get to that in a second, but I want to ask you again um, what I was going before. Yeah, how this is born in your heart? Because again, you have an experience being um, a missionary kid, I guess, traditional missions, and then how this plane flying a plane come to happen to say, hey, I can fly a plane, I can serve the Lord with this talent that I have. It's a dream of you. At what age mm. you started? Um, and, and and how? Okay. So how then you're married? And how then you tell that person they're gonna marry you? Oh, by the way, I wanna fly a little plane overseas where it's danger. Uh, will you marry me? <laughs> how that happened? Tell me how it was born and how all that happened. Well, okay, so I'm actually a third generation missionary because so my grandparents were missionaries in Africa. Um, that'd be my mom's parents. And then my parents went over to Africa as missionaries. So it's kind of in my blood. At least I grew up understanding what missions was, the importance of it, um, the Great Commission, and how it is, um, it's an imperative. Like, it's something we've got to get done. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was that was natural. I know some people, you kind of learn it. Um, through your local church. And as you're growing up, you get exposed to missions and you, you get a heart for that. That was something that I was taught my whole life. So that part of the missions part of it for me came very naturally. And it just, it, it became a part of like our family's calling and what um, was important. So uh, yeah, living up, living overseas. I remember in high school, even in, in grade school, I remember uh, 
flying with missionary pilots. Um, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I never really thought about me being a pilot until I got to high school. And I thought, man, these guys really are making a difference. They're having an impact on our mission community. They're having an impact on the people that they work with at the airport. They're getting to have missionary experiences as professionals um, in their field. So I thought that's really, that's really neat. Um, wow. Could God use me to do something like that? Because it really is something that um, sparked my interest. I was always a big space nerd. I love NASA and space stuff. So I felt like my, my ability would be like, okay, airplanes, maybe not space shuttle or rockets, but um, still intrigued me. And uh, yeah, the more I thought about it, prayed about it and just thought about going overseas, it was something more and more that the Lord put on my heart gave me opportunities to start flight training when I was a junior in high school um, in, in America. And that was really, uh, really a fun experience. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of like where that, that kind of sparked and where that started. And from there, you know, I got to college and I kind of lost time to, to study flight books and to pay for flight lessons. I had a lot of other reading and a lot of other expenses going on. So I was studying, and, you know, I was studying as like a, as a missions, cross-cultural studies, and um, I knew the person that I was going to uh, marry, they had to be somebody who had the same heart for missions. We had to have that same goal because I knew if God called me to missions and I found somebody who their interest was somewhere else or they weren't going to be willing, um, it wasn't going to be a good fit. And it was going to end up pulling me away from what I knew God wanted me to do. So, um, you know, I ended up marrying another missionary kid. Now, granted, we are from two, we grew up in two separate continents, different languages, but God ironed all that out and he called us together to go to Africa. Um, however, like you were saying, like, how do you, how do you break that news? You know, I'm going to go fly an airplane to this person. Um, I remember in our dating courtship experience, um, we were starting to get to the point where we were talking about marriage, you know, like future and like serious future, um, which was always our intention at the beginning was never just a date. It was always finding that person who had the same calling and, you know, something serious. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, now I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here. You know, that I've taken flight training. I'm planning to become a pilot. Like my heart is to use, you know, flying mission aviation, um, as, as a way to, to, to complete that, um, or to fulfill that. And she was on board with it. She didn't have any trouble with it. And, you know, you have to be smart too. When you're with somebody and they care about you and you're doing something that some people feel is dangerous, you don't have to always tell them about every time that your heart skips a beat or about everything you had to fix on the plane, because, you know, there's, it's good for there to be some mystery and uh, <laughs> some mystery, some mystery. No, but, you know, I also want to make sure that, you know, they're confident. She's confident yeah. that what we're doing is safe, which it is. And uh, we have a, we have a, a very um, impeccable safety record. So, you know, that things like that really help out, but that's, yeah, that's where it started. And um, I love to do it. It's amazing. Sometimes I think I can't believe I get to do something like this that I love so much. Uh, it's very unique. And combine it unique. with like God's calling it for missions and it just, yeah. they work, they mesh so well together. So sometimes, you know, I, I know you for a while and sometimes people, I will tell people about you and it, it, it's kind of hard to explain because, uh, People have one concept of missions, you mm -hmm. know, like I was saying, go plant a church or do some type of thing like that or, or a chore, a chore trip, you know? Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this, though. You and I, we have something in common that uh, we had three kids, you know, uh, they're all around the same age. 
what is those fears that you face? Because I imagine even, uh, you know, even you have this calling, I, I imagine some level of fear come when you have a, everybody in your, in your household is, the kids are younger than seven years old and a baby, I, I believe at the time. And then this travel, traveling and going to another countries, another continent, completely different culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, way of living. You know, like complete uh, food, yeah. everything. What was those fears that you were facing, and, and how you uh, were you dealing with them? Beside prayer and, and maybe other things, what, what, what was the thing that were coming to your mind at that time? You know, I think if I hadn't grown up overseas and my wife as well, I think maybe we would have had more fear in taking our kids. I think um, the things that we were primarily concerned about were not really safety issues um we both traveled so we weren't worried about traveling um it was more first of all we wanted to make sure that they were going to get a good education like we were going to be able to find a school that was going to work because otherwise it was going to impact our ministries if we were spending all of our time educating our kids yeah. um so we wanted we wanted and, and some people are able to do that and do it really well and god bless them we didn't feel like we would be able to be good <laughs> be good educators for our children and also have them love us later. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, that was, that was part of it. But I think probably the biggest one is, is the health issues concern because our country does not have good medical care. Um, there are some good doctors there and clinics and things like that, but for major issues that come up, we don't have the same kind of emergency, emergency, uh, emergency services or like quick operations or things um, that sometimes have to happen. So even recently, uh, you know, the eye doctor said, hey, you know, because of hereditary possibilities of eye problems that, you know, can be passed on, they're saying, so this is what can happen if this starts to happen and you need, you know, two, three days tops, you need to get it taken care of. And I'm thinking, well, you know, where can I get to in that amount of time to have it taken care of? And so you think about options. So same thing with your kids, you know, uh, if they have appendicitis, what do you do? Thankfully, we have people who can handle that. What if it's something more serious? you know, a head trauma or whatever, where you need somebody who's an expert in that field. Um, well, you, what if it's a sickness that you need specialized treatment to get, you know, to get care and it's time sensitive. So I think those were some of the, I think the health thing was probably a bigger concern to us than anything else. And that's been something that from time to time, we've just had to pray through it, or we've just had to give it over to the Lord because um, you can't live in that fear and then do this work as well. And you went through that. I believe one of your kids uh, experienced malaria. Yeah. So our son, one of our sons had, uh, he had a bad case of malaria and in the process he ended up getting, well, once we were able to get back to the States, they found he had salmonella in the blood and they had to treat him, um, with very powerful treatment. Um, and you can just see, I mean, things can, can very quickly compound and become worse and worse very quickly as your body gets weaker and more different things can attack it. So we've had to deal with that. Amy, at one point we were like, on the verge of having her evacuated from the country. She had something we couldn't figure out what it was. Um, the Lord healed her and used some very skilled doctors to treat her and give us good advice. Uh, thankfully we were able to stay there. She got completely recovered. And so, you know, we've had some of those moments where, you know, you're just on, you're on the edge of making that phone call to, to get out of there. So um, yeah, those things happen. And um, we've kind of accepted that those things can happen here as well. You know, plenty of people have issues here that happen yeah. just like that. And uh, it's it, the Lord has has that day picked for you. So you just have to trust that he knows what he's doing 
and be smart, you know, like don't do things to put yourself at, at risk, right? Well, that, that's interesting that you said that because that's something you have to settle in your heart. Mm -hmm. And we live in a culture where comfort is a big deal. Everybody's yeah. seeking comfort, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and as we seek comfort, the mission conversation is getting maybe lost sometimes. In the local church, it's not as often. Not every church is doing a lot of things about missions. And mm. a lot of mission boards, they have to bring back missionaries because they don't have enough support, etc. So what are what are your, your views on that? Uh, how the church, just personal views about how the church today in general, the, the, the big church, I guess, uh, the American church, how they're dealing with, with this idea of mission. And we, I believe it's very important. And I believe we all call to it. Some just happen to go. Yeah, but um, it happened that I'm not going to Africa. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Wait until I tell you what happened to me in a second. But um, so how you see how is the church? How is the church related to missions today? What What are your thoughts? You know, coming back, experiencing the church here, yeah. probably a great churches, and also maybe some other experiences. It's interesting because we've had a lot of really good experience with churches here and with individuals who really have a heart for missions and for reaching the lost. Um, there are definitely experiences we've had where people you can tell don't really have an understanding of the great commission. They don't have an understanding of um, just the urgency. I feel like we've, we've lost some of that sense of urgency, maybe a little bit in missions because now people are so connected to what's going on in the world. Uh, the internet connects them with so many different places and in some ways, it's good because you can have that really good connection and they can even stay connected with people overseas, even not missionaries. Um, but in a way, I feel like people feel like, well, we we already know what's going on. And so maybe the idea of what missionaries are able to share with them about the work, you don't always you don't always I don't I don't feel like people always make the connection or quite understand that it's very different than what you see on your computer screen. Um and what yeah. people are putting out there. And even news doesn't always portray accurately um, a situation. So in some way, I think we've lost an urgency because like you said, we are maybe more and more in our culture. Um, and I'm not immune to this in our culture. I feel like we've started to become more inward focused. Um, and I've seen in, in secular culture and influencing the church is this idea of take care of you, yourself, like look out for you. And I've talked with my wife a lot about this, and we just don't see Jesus saying that. I mean, he is always about your neighbor and loving others and sacrificing in the cost of discipleship and following Christ. It's all about what it's going to cost you. And um, even with my friend of mine recently, one of the verses where, where we were talking about together is, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials of many kinds. Like you're blessed. Like So suffering and putting yourself out there and taking those risks um, for, for this cause, you know, of the, of the gospel, those things are all worth it. Those are like blessings. Like those trials are blessings because, you know, you're doing it for the, for a right reason. If you're, so anyway, that whole focus of take care of you, look out for you, you know, obviously there's a certain amount of self-care we all have to do, um, yeah. to be effective. So I don't deny that at all. You can't just treat your, 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 your mind, your emotions, your body like trash, um, just for the sake of always serving. But I tell you what, like there, there's so much reward and there's so much fulfillment as well that comes from, it. I feel like God rewards you 
when you put yourself out there. So, um, I, so yeah, I think if we just understood really just how lost the world is and how many millions, billions of people are, are unaware, you know, they don't even know the name of Jesus. And that's, it's such a shame. Um, and to see that they're peril, like they, they die. They don't have the same kind of care. Like people are dying mm-hmm. by the thousands every day without knowing Jesus. It's, it's really sad. So I think we, if you think of like a fireman, we all think firemen are heroes. They run into a burning building. They don't stand out there and think, well, that person can last a little bit longer. They can last another year or two in that building. No, I mean, they are dying and they, mm-hmm. you know, we go in and we get them and they're heroes. Um, and I'm not to say not to say that missionaries are heroes, but what I'm saying is I think that sense of urgency, like these people, these people need, need salvation. They need Jesus. And we need to, we need to get this job done. We need to, we need to get out there with all of our resources and, and get the job done. Um, so, yeah. So you, you mentioned, uh, you know, that we were talking about the comfort and, and kind of avoiding pain and all that. And so when you, through the of, of experience that you just shared, you have experienced pain probably. Um, but the pain that you have experienced for what I'm listening, that pain or the pain that you probably could experience in the future is no greater than the pain of knowing that somebody's going to hell because nobody was there to tell them about Jesus. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, uh, sometimes I think about if I were to, for some reason, let's say a medical condition or something, if I were to have to leave the mission field and live here in the States, like anytime I've thought about that, thoughts cross my mind. It's kind of a scary thought to me. It's almost like, what what would I do? And I think, well, I, there's there's ways I can serve God here too. But to me, it's to me that the calling and the mission is so important in my heart that it's worth those pains. It's worth the things you miss out on. Um, God really rewards you and finds ways of giving you that joy that can only come from him. You know, even when it's a really hot day and the air conditioning or the power is out and there's no air moving, you know, or that day when you're sitting in a, in a clinic waiting room in the sweltering heat, waiting to be seen, you know, when your kids to be seen, cause they're really sick, you know, in those times when it's really hard, you, you push through and you trust God. And on the other end, he, he really blesses. So, you know, the different people deal with pain and de- deal with hardship in different ways. Um, you know, when we think about missions, people think that there, there's some level, at least in the church, some level of understanding there's a sacrifice. The fact that you have to leave your land and all that stuff. But at the same time, when people think about working in a Christian environment, do you think they miss the idea that there's still going to be problems and they come with an idea, maybe, you know, a childish kind of mentality thinking, oh, because it's a Christian environment, everything's going to go well. And then what you have today is a lot of pastors quitting, you know, yeah. they're giving up because the expectations are too great. You know, the, the people expect them to be CEOs and they expect them yeah. to be everything and, and also go visit the sick and all that stuff. And they try to live to that expectation and they end up being burned out and they end up quitting. Um, you know what I mean? So it's, it's just people, is this maybe, I don't know, you went to a Christian college, is this not being teached? You know, like, hey, things don't gonna, even if it's a Christian environment, missions or local mm. situations can happen. And they, they're not preparing you that way. What do you think? They're not preparing the new 
ministers overseas or here that way? You know, I think people people are prepared from the time their children raised in the home. It's not just something that a college or your mission board is preparing you to do. I mean, this is something your parents train you for. And maybe people, I don't know if I'm necessarily seeing that or not. Um, but there are cases where we see where people have kind of, some people or some sectors of society have forgotten the fact that life isn't always going to be comfortable. Um, and in fact, the Bible tells you if you're a believer and you're following Christ, you are going to be uncomfortable. You are going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. It's, it's a, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. So maybe we're not teaching that well enough that like, listen, maybe your, your devotion to God can be measured by how much you're suffering in your life. I don't know, but in some ways I feel like, yeah, you can suffer by serving the Lord, but I feel like he blesses in so many ways. Also, um, we teach, we tell our kids that all the time, like how many kids get to travel and like travel through France and stop for several hours in Paris. And, you know, how many kids get to have friends from seven different, you know, from, well, you know, 20 different countries or something like that. So there's just so many benefits that come with it as well. But yeah, as believers, we're, we're going to, we're going to face hard times. Our, and, and I've told my wife, I've said, I, you know, if God had called me to come home and be a pastor of a church, that would be probably one of the hardest callings in my life, because I know it's tough. It's tough to be a pastor. There's a lot of expectations. Uh, people can be very blunt and very opinionated without people who've never actually been through that experience and know what it's like to be a pastor can be very opinionated about it and say, well, this is how they should be doing it in this and this when they've never, they've never had to walk that themselves. And um, so I, I try to be very careful not to be critical of other people in ministry and how they're doing the thing. Cause I don't always, you know, I don't always really understand what their challenges are and what they're dealing with. Um, and, you know, accountability is huge. You, you want to yeah. see pastors and you want to see missionaries. You want to have the, you want there to be accountability because we are, we're representing, you know, we have, we're called, to a very high standard and there's a lot of accountability. And I think God holds us accountable for the way we teach and the way we serve and the way we represent him. So, you know, you have to fill your life with people who can walk with you through the difficulties and also call you out on the things that you need to be called out on. So, um, uh, yeah, I just think that's important because we're all going to walk through tough times and, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a, it's a, I think it's just something that, got to be in, in, is part of the, the requirement, you know, of the Christian life uh, and, and no considering, considering that I think it's a, it's a mistake. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. So the gospel or Christianity have changed center through the centuries, you know, I started of, of course in uh, Jerusalem, you know, and eventually moved to Europe and Christ the center of Christianity was Europe. We can say that to some extent, uh, eventually it was the United States for many years too. Mm -hmm. But we know that a lot of people in the church is growing crazy in Africa and South America. And the gospel changing and, and, and the center probably being in these countries, the, you know, that right now maybe they have less resources, but the church is growing. Do you see in the future, do you imagine missionaries from Africa going coming to the united states coming to the united states or coming to places that maybe were evangelized before and you know like happen all the time and you see it you see it through the history you know europe was yeah. the center and now people have to go to europe 
to evangelize? Um, do you think that could that 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 can happen? You know, when we start seeing people from Africa coming to the United States because the church is cold here. Yeah. I yeah, I don't know what it's gonna look like down the road. Uh, missions is gonna look like in 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 the US. Like, how is our country gonna continue to go? Is it gonna continue to be a high priority of the church? Um, I'm not, I hope so. I hope that we continue to realize that God's blessed us and we uh, need to be sending people. Um, but you know, God is sending workers from all over the world. So one of our, one of our statements, one of our, um, I don't know exactly the, the exactly how it's categorized, but one of the things that we say in SIM, which is our mission is from everywhere to everywhere. So we want to be able to send people from anywhere to wherever they're needed. Uh, so we have missionaries who come from Colombia, South America. We have people who come from Europe, from Asia, from Australia, from North America. So we're sending missionaries from all over the world to different places. We actually have a sending office in West Africa, and we're sending missionaries from West Africa to other countries in Africa, at least at the moment. So we are actually seeing missionaries going out from Africa. Now, Traditionally, faith missions, where you're sending missionaries, they have to have a financial backing, right? Correct. You need church and believers sending them out. And just like Paul had to have help from the church to go do what he did. And sometimes he lived and with a lot, and sometimes he lived with a little. Um, it's a new thing for the church in Africa, this idea of sending money and supporting missionaries and sending them off to do this work. And it's, it, you know, money is a very sensitive topic anywhere you go. Um, and in poor countries, so if you're a missionary from a poor country where people don't have much and you're talking about plane tickets and setting up somebody's house and, you know, supporting them, yeah. their family fully, you know, some people are able to, you know, have a side job or do different things like that to help support their ministry. But so that's a new thing. There are some challenges that go along with this idea of sending people from, you know, from everywhere to everywhere. So, um, yeah, I hope someday, because I mean, look at look at the US and how many immigrants we have here. If you look mm -hmm. at areas um, up in Michigan, if you look at even Atlanta and the Clarkston area, and you look at some of these centers, I'm thinking of even High Point, North Carolina, we have a large population of the Zarma people from our country, Niger. Can you imagine sending people from their own country who come here with the goal of reaching those people who've left and are struggling to fit in here. And so there are, I mean, the American church here could do a lot to reach the people who are coming in that, I mean, there, there's a whole lot of work and a lot of yeah. blessing to be, to be done there. But I mean, it, it, it is possible yeah. maybe in the States, maybe if our church isn't doing what they're supposed to do, have a real heart for evangelism, people who've come out of persecution. Mm -hmm. So their faith is, is something that means a lot to them and they are wholehearted sold out. Um, yeah. I don't, you, you never know what God's going to do and how he's going to move. You don't want to get in that idea that we've got it all together and we're the God's gift to the world because that's not that's not the case. But we do have God's gift. So, so I, I always say the only time we'll go to Africa, I get all the, everything paid for. <laughs> <laughs> and I told that to somebody else about India, and they're inviting me to India, and I'm freaking out yeah. <laughs> because I don't have any excuses now yeah it, it really scared me and the reason we're going to scare me because i i have issues with food you know i'm a picky eater i know it's silly but i'm fearful about that 
No. Um, I'm, it's hard for me to meet new people. Uh, but I also think that it's coming to my head. If I don't do it, probably that will be the biggest regret ever later on because God pain, you know, uh, pain before promotion type of thing, you know? And in other words, pain or difficulty, the fact that I will go there and, and who knows why and see what happened later with me. It's, it's interesting, but what would you tell me or somebody like me that is in that position there? They're afraid. I mean, I'm not a guy who, I'm not afraid of things. I'm not afraid to do things, but I do, um, I am afraid of going places of visiting other cultures i'm from another culture i came to this culture but it's still a western culture It's very similar in many ways yeah we're just going to com completely different yeah well, how you will encourage me i you know, so i did when i was in high school i mean obviously i like i said i grew up overseas and when i was in high school my youth group took a mission trip to mexico um which is a very you know like you U.S. teenagers going to Mexico was kind of like that was the mission trip to do right. Um, I did not know what to expect, and you know, I didn't really know that I what was my heart going to be like. You know, my heart I felt like my heart was in Africa, right? But I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that experience. And it wasn't like I was concerned about safety. I knew I was going to be uncomfortable, and I was, and I knew I wasn't going to speak the language, and I couldn't. But um, God takes care of all those things, you know, and I think it's, yeah, I definitely think it would be a regret to turn down something that God, that you knew God was giving the opportunity to do, because yeah. as much as you think you're going to bless other people, he's going to bless you even more. And you're going to get more from the experience than the people you're going there to minister to. Um, that's how I feel. It's been my experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't worry. Like, to me, I, I just feel like you can't worry about safety because people... I don't worry about... The, my biggest thing, actually, believe it or not, is food. Is food? It, it, but it see, has, the thing is, is there out. are so many... In these countries, there are so many, like, basic food items that people eat that you eat and are safe eating. I don't think you have any trouble eating rice. I don't think you have any trouble eating pasta or bread. Like, these, like, these staple things are eaten all over the place. And... You know, you just have to. Well, it's good to talk to you because when I I brought I brought this up in my small group, you know, just for prayer, we're gonna try. I I I'm all, I kind of decided I, if if they pay and I don't have an excuse, I'm going. Yeah. Right. But I I share it with people who not necessarily are missionaries, and I felt there was more. <laughs> I know that they didn't mean bad, but one other guy said, you know, my boss will go any place in the world. But never to India because you can die kind of thing. I'm like, what? That's not what I need to hear. No, no, uh, no. So then, and and this other guy told me, you know, and and there's the part where where you're gonna go is close to uh, some Afghanistan or Pakistan, something like that. It's dangerous, you know. With they can, you know, it's dangerous, you know, for Christians. And I'm like, my goodness, I don't need to hear that. And they, yeah, they, 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 it's good to hear from you that. My biggest concern was food, and after talking to them, I'm like, man, do I need to worry about my life? Um, so, no, and I think people are actually more gracious about the whole food thing. I think you hear from missionaries and people tell these stories like, oh, people are gonna be so offended if you don't eat their food. But I found that even in Niger, there are people who they don't eat certain things, 
like they'll just say, yeah, I don't, I don't eat that. I don't eat fish or I don't, you know, I don't drink that. You know, some people now that's maybe in a more urban environment where people aren't, you know, scared of starvation as much, but, uh, cause out in the villages, they'll drink dirty water. They'll eat whatever comes their way because it's better than dying of starvation. Oh, yeah. But I think people are more understanding of foreigners than we give them credit for. And I think they, they've had people come into their lives that are not from there and they get a good, they get a good laugh at us, you know, when we think when something doesn't like suit our tastes or if we're like, Oh, I can't do that. You know, I think most, for the most of the time my experience is in, they just think it's a humorous thing. They think it's funny, you know, and then you tell them some of the things you eat and they will make a face like, Oh, gross. That's disgusting. So yeah. <laughs> so, um, and let's face it, most of us Americans, if we had to go over for a week somewhere and we didn't have, we didn't eat much because the food didn't appeal to us, it's not going to hurt most of us. No, we're uh, just going to lose some belly fat. So. You know, I mean, it might, <laughs> it might be good for you to get, you know. I know I'm going to come back with a six pack. <laughs> I bet you will. I've heard that's what happens in India. So maybe I'll take a trip. Uh, yeah, maybe I need to. I need a six pack filter for this Zoom call, so I get you know. I, I need to spend a whole year there to get a six pack. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me kind of close this conversation. We have a few questions. All right. Um, short answers. Okay. Okay. Biggest cultural shock for you or your kids going to Africa, going to Niger. Cultural shock. Um probably just kind of the that's that's hard it, it's uh i think probably the poverty probably oh. the poverty and like the poor health you just see people in need like you see people living in just squalor um living in filth uh people yeah. kids who have like no legs riding up alongside of a car on a skateboard to beg like things like that are just always hard to see um, because it's like, what, what can you do? You can't do that for a whole, you can't help a whole country if, you know, that has these kinds of issues. You can't, there's nothing that one person can do. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah. because I was telling my wife, we were talking the other day and, uh, this couple, uh, we know a couple of people that, uh, they have a handicap, uh, you know, they cannot speak, you know, mm-hmm. you're mute and, um, but they have a nice house. They can have a career. Mm-hmm. Here in the state, people with some limitations can actually have a living. I was thinking, you know, if, if somebody like that is, they born like that in Chile, maybe. Yeah. They're done. There's not yeah. much available. There's not much inclusion. There's not much of that. So it's, 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 that's a big contrast, you know, I mean, is, how, yeah. how people actually, you may not have your legs here, but you can actually make a living and have a life in this other country. You're just completely abundant. Uh, yeah, or you're you're an outcast, or then your disability is used as a way of the money through begging. So, there, yeah, it's it's a totally different viewpoint. Here, we are doing everything we can to help with disabilities and to treat um, disorders and things like that. Whereas, you know, in our country, in Niger, you know, immediately you're a liability to the family if you can't work and earn. Uh, so, yeah, mental disorders are not treated. Most of the time, there's not a lot of helper, like those devices that help with hand- handicapped people to have a normal life just doesn't exist. So yeah, you, you have to get pretty creative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see. Yeah, for sure. What do you miss more when you're there? You know, you're tired. What is the thing that you miss more from the States? Chick-fil-A. Um, Chick-fil-A? Yeah. For real? 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's come. I mean, obviously, the, family you, would you be the, the number Christian one. Chicken, the Christian chicken. The <laughs> <laughs> family is the thing we miss the most. Um, I would say we're right now. We're living this year. Um, until back in June, July, um, we live in in the North Georgia mountains, and just the green, the scenery, the beauty, um, the good weather. Like that's something that, yeah, we just we just you can't. You can't okay. duplicate that, right? How that how that feels with social media because social media create this effect of missing out. When 20 years ago or 30 years ago, when you were in another country, you were missing out, but you didn't know you were missing out. Now you're in social media, you can see, oh, that's my brother going to his lake house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you have 110 degrees weather and you find your plane sweaty yeah. to death um how do you deal with that because that's a real thing you know that you you're missing you yeah. know more so you feel yeah now i feel like it's it's more of a motivation like it's more of a motivation for us to push through because it's like oh man you know and you know we just got it like in a couple of years you know we love our life but uh, overseas but you know a couple of years oh we get to go to the lake with them you know so you actually start planning the next get together the next fun thing and um yeah it becomes kind of like something to look forward to so rather than feel like you're missing out it's like we use that as a way a lot of times to help our kids transition back here because we can say, oh, look at these pictures. Look, this is what you're going to next. So instead of them being so upset about leaving their friends and their school overseas, now they're looking forward to who they get to see back here. And then you can do that on the same thing when you're home, seeing pictures from back in the eye of all the fun things their friends are doing. So, yeah, we use that to just kind of help us make that next transition and look forward to what's next. So, yeah, it's hard to miss out. Sometimes you try and like we're looking up online like copycat recipes for chick-fil-a sauce i keep bringing up chick-fil-a like or like outback steakhouse alice springs chicken or something you know and say so we try and duplicate well, some, of those, some of those things to i will, I will, uh, I will do a hashtag chick-fil-a maybe they will send you a chick-fil-a to africa i'm not you know i'm not <laughs> that, that's your dream huh <laughs> hey you can I open the first unnamed restaurant you can open the first chick-fil-a in in niger yeah. If, first uh, step uh, is getting good chickens the what first step would be getting good chickens oh good chicken yeah you know steroids that's what they use here um so if you know if, if you will think um about a young guy right now who's is feeling this calling in their life but they have this pressure you know to have a a decent career to make a living from the family that pressure may come uh, but they, they don't have a Christian background necessarily, you know, like you. Maybe you had a lot of support when you say, I want to be a missionary. Probably your mm -hmm. dad told you, great, you know, you're following my steps. Versus somebody who does, doesn't experience that. They're first generation Christian, maybe they don't have necessarily a strong Christian background, but the Lord is calling them. What what advice would you give give them? You know, I would say, even though I haven't mentioned this, a theme through a lot of what we've been talking about, and something that I feel like is very important is the word obedience. Because if God's calling you, is there really a choice? Is there really a debate on what you're going to do? Because, right. you know, and going through suffering and dealing with pain and dealing with missing out and all this stuff. Um, if you've not made the choice to be obedient and to follow God wherever he calls you, then, yeah, you're going to you're going to have struggles and you're going to wonder, what should I do? Whereas I feel like the Lord makes it much clearer than we than we talk about we make it sound like oh it's this big question it's this do we you know and 
Yeah. If he's talking to you, the really the answer is obedience. If that's what he wants you to do. And I could tell this young man, this young lady, talk to missionaries who've given up these things that you don't want to give up and ask them if they regret it. And they will have a hard time finding a missionary who says that it wasn't worth it and that they would have been more fulfilled in a career, you know, in their home country. Um, I think of doctors who could be extremely wealthy and living the American dream, have everything they want and still be able to travel, who've left that all behind to go work in a mission hospital where they are working themselves to the bone, working much longer hours than doctors here work for very little earthly reward. And um, because their heart is to be obedient and to follow what God's asked them to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, that would be obedience and, and talk to people who've been through it because you may think that you don't have, you won't be able to find support or that people won't be behind you or that maybe you're giving up something that's really important, but you know, all that stuff is going to pass away. What, what's going to be left when you're done? Yeah. Um, what's going to be left? What, you know, and it's, this isn't about your legacy. This is about God's kingdom. What are you leaving behind that has, is a value to God's kingdom? Yeah. Where people can go to check uh, more about, uh, the group that is sending you over and, and maybe help and learn a little bit more about missions and all that. Yeah. So if you go to www.sim.org. You really said www. I know, right? <laughs> I'm I... sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, sometimes people are typing in other stuff. I know, you but can, come on. You can put the links up. You can put the links up. Wait. Here. Uh, here. Or here. Um. I will, Sam, I, will, yes, I, will, I, I will put the link, but I'm not going to put www. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sim.org is yeah, our mission. Yeah. You can see their international, the webpage that um, is from the international office if you go there, or you can redirect and go to the SIM USA page, and that has more information for people based in the U.S. who would be interested in missions. Um, if you want to know more about what we're doing or about, um, yeah, about what SIM does in Niger, Obviously, you can go through the SIM website to find out about what they're doing in Niger. If you want to have contact with us directly, um, you can put our email address up there or our Facebook page. Um, and yeah, people can connect with us that way. And if you have questions about missions or, you know, how do you take the next steps or anything like that, we'd be more than happy to connect. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. Um, what is that um, thing that you want uh, one asked to pray for you when not only when you before you leave but when you're there what is the thing that you want everybody to remember this is how you pray for a missionary yeah so um there are a lot of different challenges in in what we do um first of all we just like pray that we the, the biggest and most important thing is for our own spiritual walk with the lord that we stay connected with him because he's our source, you know, he's where we get all that joy. He's where we get all that fulfillment and where we, yeah. you know, he's the one we're obeying. So connection to the father is the biggest thing. Um, also for us, our family, um, just all the things, the health, the transitions, um, just that our financial support, the things to keep our family where we're at and to keep us healthy, um, in all the different ways. Um, so those are those are two of the, the big ones for sure. And then also I would say definitely relationships with our coworkers, 
um, can be very detrimental on the mission field. Missionaries leave because of relationships with other missionaries. So we want to keep good relationships. We have good relationships and we want to keep those. And then the last thing would be obviously one of the important things is relationships with our Nigerian friends and the people that we um, want to reach with the gospel. So opportunities for sharing, um, sharing hope with them every day. All right. Well, thank you, Joe. Has been a very good time listening to you. It's uh, yeah. always refreshing to hear. It's fun. Good times talk. together. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Hopefully, I will see you soon. You'll see me in Africa someday, I think, because India may be the first step. It's all right. If you come, I I will make sure that you we feed you the diet. Listen, you know that you will be happy. Listen, this, this is you won't it, have to worry about that. This is what I, I it said all in my heart. If he if he come to my lap and he's pay <laughs> he's pay, I go. No question asked. Okay. I'm not, eat, I'm not gonna eat anything or everything, but uh, I will do it. Okay, well, it's good to know that because now I'm going to start praying for some things to start falling <laughs> in your lap. See, it's yeah, so different. This is recorded. We have a record of this. It's so different because I, I, I hear my, my, my wife is a missionary kid too, and we tell our kids about mission, how important it is. And, and sometimes when I hear them talking, my daughter talking about, yeah, I'll, I'll, it's like, I will go. No, 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 no question. You know, like, I go now, you know. And, yeah. And people need to hear and proud, you know. And I'm like, wow, I'm not like that. But <laughs> like you never right. know. You never know. We're all different. We're all different. Yeah. 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 Well, In thank you for your time. Man. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Pablo. It's been good talking to you. Thank you. I, I will right. talk to you another day. Have a great day. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Bye, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chasing Growth Podcast. Please be sure to visit ChasingGrowth.org and subscribe for exclusive content and promotions. You can find our podcast on your favorite listening platforms. While you're at it, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you for listening and keep chasing growth.